With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's that special time once again for the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. And it will be airing live momentarily. This is that place to ask those special questions about PCs, technologies, with your computer, iPhone, and those smart devices designed to work at home and in the office that's supposed to make life easier. We welcome your questions tonight. And please help me welcome the CEO and founder of the Jaymore Connection, Inc., and the star of tonight's show, Mr. John C. Morley. Check us out more at jmor.com. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Jaymore Tech Talk Show, and tonight we're going to talk about the review of smart technology. I also would like to let you know that the Jaymore Tech Talk Show, officially next Thursday, February 9th, will now be broadcasting nationally on the Radio Network. You can get to um, our program now on Thursday nights at um, 9 p.m. Um, we do need all the information to be on our website, as well as you can get it from StarcomRadioNetwork.com. And we are Thursday nights at 9 p.m. And then we have a rebroadcast uh, again in the morning uh, early. So talking about technology and now being just dared with has come up probably many times is, you know, what is it, what does it mean when we talk about smart technology? What is smart technology? And, you know, that's an excellent question because smart technology is around for quite a long time. And the whole idea behind smart technology is that it is used to make life easier easier. A lot of times when we think about smart technology, we think about something that's going to make our life easier by maybe clicking one button and it does several steps. Smart technology could be a very um, interesting um, let's say, uh, food processor or a Vitamix. Uh, the new Vitamixes, by the way, and we'll review one of those in one of the shows. They have smart technology because not only can you actually set up the different things, but what you can also do is when you change the different um, you know, canisters, what happens is it can adjust the speed. So that's one example of smart technology. The other thing about smart technology is that it can use other factors in the environment to calibrate itself without the user having to do anything. So let's talk about some smart technologies that are probably around and uh, you may or may not be familiar with. So I thought that would be a great, a great thing to talk about in this show. In that, um, our first show that we'll be launching for the national show on February 9th at 9 p.m., we'll be talking about um, 
technology behind Super Bowl 2017. If you thought our show was great last year in February, you um, haven't seen anything because there's a lot more technology behind Super Bowl 2017. So we think about smart technology, we can think about display boards, um, whiteboards. Uh, we can talk about technology that is going to make the world of the computer virtual. For example, it's not going to be unheard of pretty soon to have tomorrow, in the future, to actually have a computer that would actually project if you go through the hologram of what you're doing. And not only will you be able to see it, but you'll actually be able to use your hands and move it. Now, it's not tomorrow, it's not next year, but it's um, keyboards now where you put them down and as you type, they can sense what you're typing just not having to cut them all by coming close to a beam. So that's happening. And I know when we say smart technology, a lot of people are very scared. You know, oh, my gosh, is the computer going to run my life? Well, you know, when you first mention smart technology to a lot of people, they say, oh, my gosh, my house is going to be controlled by thing. And what happens if a virus gets in there? Well, I hear you. I understand that. And I am from the caveat you guys know me and be Technology can be good and technology can be bad, but it's not the technology that's good or bad. It's the person in the world and how they decide to employ it. So if the computer is acting or doing something, then you're saying, well, how can the computer be good or bad? Well, the computer is not good or bad, but the logic that was actually programmed into the system so then I know the caveat's going to come. Well, John, what do we do when we have computers that are actually able to make decisions for us and based on learning information, artificial intelligence? Well, so who's responsible? Is it the programmer? Is it the computer? And I have to say it's probably the programmer because if you put a program in and, and you put a set of learning instructions how should process and make deductions. If you made things too numerical and you haven't encountered other factors, it's very hard for the computer to make perfect decisions all the time. This is one of the reasons that we don't allow computers to make decisions. Now, yes, they're very good at giving us guidance. They're very good at calculating and crunching numbers really quickly. But when we talk about, talk about how a computer is making a decision, you want to not get rid of the human element. I think that's what scares a lot of people. When I mention the word smart house, you think about things like, you know, your blinds being controlled automatically. You think about your light being controlled automatically, right? You think about um, maybe your water being controlled automatically, your tub, shower, washing machine and lots of different appliances being controlled automatically. Heck, you can even have things like, you know, we have our sprinklers controlled automatically now. But I guess the question is, you know, a smart house is really a house that gets to know you and your personality. You've seen dozens of these shows and sci-fis on TV. 
computers that actually make decisions and help make your life easier is great. But what we've seen in many, many programs is that when we let the computer get past, let's call it a certain benchmark or step over a border, we can have problems. Now, we joke about this. And are computers going to cause problems? Not really. But the challenge is when we're getting a computer to make all the decisions, there's no longer a problem. For example, using a computer to decide whether something is uh, a certain color or not is fine. If it's not the right color, it makes adjustments, and then if it can't do something, it calls for human help. That's fantastic. It's going to get better making the color, right? There's, there's 65 million colors. I don't know if you knew that with your computer having the uh, one of the largest color spectrums. But what and you try to make it like a real person. That's kind of what artificial intelligence is. It's making decisions on neural networks where we can make decisions based on certain outside factors. Maybe it be better. Uh, let's take one for example. You're all familiar with the electric car. You're all familiar with the fact that we may have a car that drives itself. And um, they have to do lots of things because there are safety issues. Okay? We've all seen the car that actually parks itself. I'm sure you've seen that. Um, so I bet you have a question for me. I know you do. And that question is, John, if a car uh, that auto parks, okay, let's just say, uh, who is responsible, Right? Who, who is to blame, right? I think that's came up last July, but it's starting to come up more and more. So who is actually to blame? Well, in the first issue of last year of uh, Vocative, an online magazine, a self-driving car crashed the side of the bus outside of the Mountain California area. The incident was a landmark. It was the first time an autonomous, so a vehicle that basically makes its own decision, caused the crash. Now, it's not just been part of one, okay? But now Google also made a vehicle driving along the Elkino, and it sent sandbags that were around a storm drain, and it swerved into another lane to avoid them. Within seconds, the vehicle crashed inside the public transportation bus. Yeah, wonderful. So the details beyond this, they, they are way out there. Thankfully, um, both vehicles were moving slowly enough that there were not any real fatalities or injuries to anybody. So they're going to be engineered to avoid, let's say, reckless mistakes and human error and things like that. But before we can get a ton of vehicles to come everyday, um, let's say, hardware and... Uh, Transportation that we rely on. There's a lot that has to go into things. For example, the doctors, engineers, and the legal experts are finding out, you know, who or what is going to be responsible for these They have responsibility for more, though not all the crashes. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, one of the most complex 
set of activities that humans undertake every day, and it's extremely dangerous. One of the professors, uh, Professor Raj, Raj Kumar um, of Electrical and Computer Engineering at Carnegie Mellon University, we process information at high speeds, and we make real-time decisions. And the number of scenarios to engineer, close quote. So we can obviously see what's going on, but things can go wrong. We cannot test every possible or probability out there. How many of you use software? So if we use software, can we test every single facet? No, we can't do that. It's virtually impossible. And we're talking about things that could affect someone's life. That's a real serious problem. Um, we're going to have things like being liable for parties, multiple liable parties now. Uh, the liability system, it's not going to have to change that drastically, but it's going to have to adapt to self-driving cars. And uh, um, actually at the University of South Carolina said uh, there's going to have to be a whole new set of laws and governings about liability called tort law. And drivers are going to seek compensation from manufacturers for faulty airbags, or so many different things. So now it's not going to be going after your insurance company and suing your other driver or suing the, uh, let's say, uh, was a bump in the road or there was some un- non-smoothness in the road and that caused you to swerve or caused you to lose control. Or maybe your pedal was able to be pushed all the way down to the floor a lot easier than it was in the beginning because maybe the spring actually loose. Right? But consumers are going to have a serious case against the manufacturer because remember, the manufacturers are actually going to that it's going to learn by. If it learns something incorrectly, well, who's responsible for that fault? The manufacturers. The manufacturers are going to get very smart, and they're going to put the onus on their programmers. Now, if they're really smart, what they should do is they should have a separate company that does the programming, and it's a separate liability. This way, if something goes wrong, they don't lose their whole car company, right? are very aware of what's going on and there's one thing that's likely going to change and basically how our legislators, our legal system are going to interpret existing laws to say who's to blame and who's a culprit and not so most of the DMV transportation laws that were written were written based on Licensed driver is operating the vehicle. Okay. Now, once we take that person out and have the computer driving it, we have a whole host of other issues. Because now, if the computer makes a bad decision and another computer makes a bad decision, we have traffic lights. And you know, they're all regulated automatically. They can be regulated by sensors in the roads, they can be set on timers, they can be Wait. Uh, they can go by if something comes to a certain intersection so that they don't turn the light unless the car passes. So there's lots of things that can happen in that regard. 
But when we talk about traffic lights and we start eliminating them, imagine putting traffic lights into a network where the network makes decisions, which is already starting to be done, and it regulates traffic lights in real time. For example, the president's coming and the figureheads coming, and they need to be able to block the roads. Well, they're going to do this in a special way by causing so that the president or specific dignitary party can get through without having so there's a lot of regulation that has to be put in place, and it's really, really tedious right now. So everyone is dreading this, the local level, the federal level, and, um, you know, it, it's a problem. So the situation between those tiny cracks, and it's going to be a problem. For example, the cars get a tree and endangered the driver's life, which should it hit? Should it make the decision to hit the person or hit the tree? Does the car know the difference in value between a person and a tree? I don't think it does. So these are going to be things that the car has to be. We don't want to hit anything, right? But if there was a choice between hitting a person and a tree, I'm sorry, Mr. Tree or Mrs. Tree. I know a tree is important just like a person is, but we've equated that a person has a higher value to society. And I know that's nice, but that's how one would drive. There's something called offensive driving. It's not that somebody's driving well, but it's defensive driving that they need to say. So if you're a good offensive driver, that's wonderful. But if you're not a good defensive driver, well, you're going to be getting in accidents so or you're going to be sitting in a traffic and you're not going to Hour. So how much risk can we take in accepting systems that are not perfect? And I quote, we have on roads today, says Smith. And he's from Vocative uh, Magazine, Vocative self-driving car gets in an accident, who's going to blame, right? And this is an issue that I think right now don't want to talk about. I'm telling you the insurances could go one of two ways. A, they could be cheaper. You drive your car or for a period of time, providing they have enough data to prove that driving a car autonomously is automatically going to save lives. But that's going to take time to gather that data. Now, if you drive your car, let's say, 80% of the time, well, then your insurance might be higher. But there's a lot of benchmarks that actually have to be set. And we're going to see what's going on in the next few years because, you know, we've already got cars. Uh, there are cars that park themselves, okay? And, um, you know, there's things like, for example, uh, faulty BMW parking assist uh, function. Uh, it actually um, caused the car to accelerate and mount the hood of another car. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not funny, all right? It is. It's really serious. But this auto park function is a lot more difficult your guy in Florida because it malfunctioned. It set his car crashing into another vehicle, and this gentleman is trying to park his two. 
2013 BMW in the Target parking lot using the park assist function. And the car across the grassy island and onto a car parked opposite and into the guy's uh, trunk, basically. So the gentleman who was trying to park the car, his son was actually in the backseat of BMW, but was fortunately not harmed. So that's the accident. Um, but looking at the picture, I mean, it's just, I, I, I can't believe this. So there's going to be a lot more just, and I think we talk about having things autonomously and making these decisions, which is all neural network, which is all artificial intelligence. Let's take something that's not quite as serious. Let's take something like um, uh, a Roomba robot, one you know, the way there's one company I typically like, and they actually do something pretty cool. They actually do a laser scanning of the room, and, they, and it builds a digital map of the room. Now, nothing color, but it puts all the objects into the computer, and it knows the data points what not to hit. So when it goes to something, it knows what to avoid. And that's great. The other thing it does is a lot of times they might have fixed them now. When it would run, it could never get home because it got lost driving around your place and didn't get back home because it was doing pattern, but its pattern was so redundant that by the time it figured out and got back to where it needed to, it couldn't open the battery. They made the batteries better. Okay, they did that. But this one system now that's only used on like one the scan of your room, and it knows the layout of the room. So as the vacuum is operating, it's scanning. It's not in its way, so guess what? It's not going to hit things. The way Roomba did things, very great, is it just would come on and just hit something. Now, the new ones where it come near a stairwell, it would sense it and it would back up. But realize something, ladies and gentlemen, if we have sensors in different devices, and as human beings, we got cars driving, and we have these, let's say, or we have these clears, or we have these, could be something as simple as a blender, or it could be something even as more complicated as a piece of machinery that's in a machine shop, a production machine. And you're probably saying, well, John, you know, that's not really a big deal. Well, yes, where you have to use two hands so the press would come down. Uh, digital press, you know, the press is where they come down with a knife. You have to hold the two buttons for safety. So that's kind of foolproof because you have to hit the two buttons. Now, when we get into things when it's not cut and dry, when we drive, we're making lots of decisions per second. What should we do? We look in the mirror. And again, it's just part of our process. We don't even think about it. You're going to do it so quickly and we're so accustomed to it all right so we don't realize how much is going to our brain at any particular moment in time but imagine you making a wrong decision well you have a chance to quick correct it right it's not constantly checking as much as we're checking i think that's one of the biggest challenges ladies and gentlemen is They are going back and checking, but the time it might recheck, the car might have already crashed. So it might say, gee, I 
one hit the brake and accidentally it accelerates. Now it's a car and oh shoot, I wasn't supposed to accelerate. I guess we should have braked. Well, that's great. Next time, but now we just had a fatality and we just had a lot of car damage. So I think as we move along with cars with technology, we're starting to see that there needs to be more than just one sensor. There needs to be the ability to Right? That's really what it's about. When you get in your car and you turn on your car, imagine in your car, the car body is starting until your seatbelt is fastened. If your seatbelt is unfastened, it's going to warn you that you need to pull over. I mean, I think this is where we're going and they're trying to make it safer. And, and I hear where everybody's coming from. The challenge is written to make a decision. And computers basically follow a very simple premise. And that is, if this, then that. If this, then that. If this, then not that, but this, 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 and this. Or case of this, do this, this, and this. Or if case of this, do this only. Otherwise, else do this. So something like that logic might be something like if the car is above one mile an hour. We need to start scanning every, which is anything above .001. Then the car must be scanning its perimeter every three nanoseconds, every three seconds. Make sure everything's good. So we have blind spot detection, things like that, but it's a lot more than blind spot detection, right? And how many of you know those blind spot detection systems fail, right? Well, if those detection systems fail, I don't know about you, but when I go to make a lane change, I do rely on the blindside detection to get a check, but if blindside detection doesn't work, I double check, okay? Because I want to make sure there isn't a fault in it. A lot of times if your car gets caught, what happens? You get all these alerts. Oh, sorry, all these failures. So when we think about stuff like outside elements, imagine a reason not being able to operate in the proper environment. And now because we have a freezing condition or we have too warm of a condition, the car gets incorrect and is either outside of the perceivable window that was tested or it's in a parameter range that the car thinks something else that's above a high parameter and it would do something else. So these are weird things, but these are things that could cost people their life. is actually going to be very important as we think about systems. For example, it's important to understand that everything should have a way to get off of technology. So if we have a word, it should be a simple way to flip a switch and everything goes off the technology circuit and it can be controlled manually. A lot of these places have modules, okay? But one of the things they don't have is a way to quickly switch over. Something goes wrong with the circuit board. What are you going to do? Pay an electrician to come out and rewire your house because a company can't come out because it's a bad board? Come on, right? So I guess what I'm saying is technology is but we need to make sure that as we start employing more technology, that we choose 
need to do things manually, right? A lot of us scan our files instead of keep on paper, right? They do for seven years, other entities more, uh, medical industries even longer. So we want to make sure we have that and we'll back them up to disk and things like that. So I think it's really important to, like I said, understand what's going on. And as we move forward, you're going to start to understand that it's very important not only do we have to have a company that builds a good product, but we have to make sure the company's integrities or morales, okay, is actually in line. Because I think that's going to become a very important factor when we're buying technology. Because if these people are not all upstairs, or not upstairs alone, it could be a problem because now we're creating this time bomb that could go off. And that's a serious problem. And that's why it's going to become more important to understand the personality type profile of who's writing the software and make sure it only checks quality, but it's checked for conditions that might be to threaten people or cause any issues. I mean, there's a lot of crazy people in the world. The technology that we're choosing to employ or get installed in our homes or our businesses is going to be something that we're safe with. That's really, that's really what it's about. And I know Brian's giving me that flag. It's time for us to go to a commercial, so please stay where we are, and we'll be right back after this short break. Computers slow at your home or office? Pop-ups appearing, pairing iPhones to cars, setting up smart devices like thermostats. Technology was meant to make life easier. We know technology, and we have a passion for helping people with theirs. Connect to the JMOR connection now at jmor.com or 877-767-5667. Mention JRC001 and receive 50% off your first hour of service. New clients only, please. 877-767-5667, jmor.com now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is John, and you're listening to the JMOR Tech Talk Show. We're actually in Season 2. With our next episode, we will be live on a national network called Starcom Radio on Thursday night at the same time. Um, it is undetermined whether we're going to do two shows. I think right now we're just going to stick to the one. It's going to us, but please hope our numbers have changed for the national um, show. Um, we still have the same thing. You can call us. You can still hold. You can wait. And when we're your call will take you live on the air. So technology was meant to be so complicated. Why do they complicate it? I'll tell you why. It's really simple. One, job security. They complicate it because they want to charge more money. All right. So that's a little different than job security, but they want to make money. They want to make it. No one else can fix this problem. I mean, we had a we had a, a tech come in for one of our um, copy systems, and like, no one can fix this. Really? I know there is that, there is that a set of people out there, text engineers, that have that. First, there's the quiet people. That's definitely not me. And there's the people that are quiet. They're not necessarily loud. But they have that sarcastic attitude. They just want to 
it's usually on some stupid point. And this is the whole thing I explain to people every day. You know, have a company, but you have to understand that the company you choose to do business with has to be a company that actually is going to help your business or your home, and they're going to help you do what you need. And they're not going to make you feel stupid. There is no, there are no stupid questions. So that's what it's coming down to, ladies and gentlemen. That's really what it's coming down to. And I think what we're going to find is that a lot of these people out there have this sarcastic attitude. You know what the real truth is? They don't like people. Now that's pretty sad. But there are people in the world. I don't know why this is, but they don't like people, and I guess they have this desire to say like people, but they want other people's lives miserable. I don't agree with it. So this is a, a class of I don't want to say so much engineers, but again, engineers are bad name. It happens in the sales, it happens in the tech field, it happens in all fields. But the problem is once you experience it, you suddenly think the whole thing is bad. Like you have one bad Maybe it was just maybe it was just one, right? So I think it's important to understand that when we talk about smart technology, we talk about we're talking about technology that you can speak to. We're talking about technology you can with an app. Another example of smart technology is now being able to pay for your meter when you park your car. You can pay at the spot and you can reminders, or you can someplace, you can download the app, and you can pay everything right from your car, right from your phone, and you set a credit card and get receipts. So that's actually pretty neat. But when we talk about technology, I think the big day is not so much what's going to do the fact that have a price tag. And are they becoming lazy by using this technology? I mean, that's really, I think, what we're coming down to. Are people getting lazy because they're using this technology? That's what it's coming down to, ladies and gentlemen. You need to balance it. Use technology, ladies and gentlemen, to make your life We use copy machines to make photocopies, right? Uh, we can make books. We can do lots of things with them. But use technology to do something you do in a repetitive pattern. For example, if your company is getting lots of calls about a certain offer and your company has a policy that you don't want to use an IVR or a, uh, a phone system to insert your calls, Auto attendant, that's fine. They can call in and say, you know what, that can answer these questions. Because what you're now doing is you're freeing up that person, and they now can go through, do whatever they do, get back to them. So that's an example of smart technology. Okay, smart technology is technology that improves the quality of your 
your life with little or no effort. The challenge that we see every day, ladies and gentlemen, is that smart technology like TVs, smart technology can be something as simple as another mark that was in the chat room and water bottles are an example of smart technology I, I know you're saying I'm crazy but no let's take a listen here for a second you can actually buy a water bottle no a water bottle that literally track the water intake that you take into your body so it's a digital water bottle and we talked about this around the holiday times they're not quite that expensive. You can get them. You can get LED monitors, health sensors. Uh, they range from about $24 to $100. Uh, Sportline makes the calculations hydration through the day, pace you to ensure hydration goals are met, motivate you to stay properly hydrated, enhance your strength and endurance. Okay. Um, now a lot of these, device, these uh, smart devices. Because Bluetooth is cheap, they can connect to your iPhone. Maybe you're concerned about your EKG and your heart. So one way of using smart technology is to put a device on the back of your phone, and then by you actually taking your two fingers and putting them on there and following some directions, get your EKG real heart. Again, very simple, very easy. If there's something a problem, you can send it to your doctor. But I think people now as we move into the 2017, get closer to 2020, we're going to see that people are becoming smarter. And people are using technology to stay healthier, to better lives, um, to be not only better lives, but in some way, I've got to say, they're using technology to communicate more efficiently. They're also trying to communicate less efficiently. Uh, I know some people that I, I think I call them like uh, Texaholics. And they bring their phone, and whether they're on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. I mean, when you go out to dinner with somebody, regardless of it's romantic or you just call friends, I find it to be a big turnoff for somebody to take out that phone and have to text. Now, we've all gone out to dinner, and we've answer the phone, hey, you know, I'm, I'm out with friends, or I'm at dinner right now, I need to call you back, okay? Okay, no problem.
years ago, who knew that we could do two Jay Moore Tech Talk shows on sports? We did one next week, and then we're going to do one on the technology behind golf courses. I was at a uh, soccer outing a few weeks ago, and this one particular um, girl was on the, the playing field. She was playing the tournament, and there was a bag, and I saw um, her guardian standing there with the phone. I saw him kept looking, and I said, what are you doing? Do you want to watching. So he kept watching, kept watching, kept watching, and what happened is he had a pack, and the pack basically pretty close to where she was playing, like on the field in the center there, and then he was communicating back with that pack with, a, with an app. Now, what did happen is signal, and it was too long, he immediately told the coach to go give her a candy bar that he had, but as soon as he went back out, it was a little hard, it was not he monitored it. So the point is, if you can use technology to complement the quality of your life, you know, to run your life, and you have no life, where technology is just taking every single moment and aspect of your life, and I say life, and start going outside. Maybe ground yourself to an oak tree or something. But you know, use technology for what those and which is to make your tasks easier. But it's still not going to replace exercise. It's not going to pick up the phone and talk to someone. How about go meet that person in, per- in person? Uh, you have something important to say? Don't text it to them. Can't do this, can't do that. There's so many rules now, okay, that it's changing. And I got that it's not even funny anymore. And when you say to somebody, gee, you know, uh, what is your finger like monitored to iPhone? Well, you know, they either get insulted or they don't say anything and they just keep texting more. And you watch them, I'm like, are you for real? And seriously, do something. And um, now they don't eat their dinner, they're texting, they're texting, you're done with your dinner, they're still texting, oh, I didn't start yet. And they're still texting all the And that's I'm sorry. I don't need to be judgmental, but that's just rude. I mean, we have to be polite. We have to be courteous of people around, or people aren't going to want to be around us anymore, right? So technology is meant to make life easier. It's meant to give you more value in your life. It's meant to make sure you're living healthier lives. It's meant to uh, organize your life to let's say take a task that you do over and over again and make it repetitive so you don't have to get yourself That's technology very smartly. But when we talk about smart technology, we're talking about devices that are not necessarily computers. even starting to breed a whole new world, and it's really starting to exponentially take up the Internet, and that is the Internet of Things. The Internet of Things. How many of you guys out there in the chat room tonight know about the Internet of Things? All right. The Internet of Things is the interconnection by the Internet of computing devices and everything objects having these controllers or chips in them, which is like mini computers, that send and receive data. So, um, it's definitely going to transfer 
look at things like Fitbits and and you know and stuff like that. So I think we're definitely going to be seeing that, and it looks like it's time for the break. So please stay right with us. We'll be right back after this break. For IT services and data destruction, the J Moore Connection should be your direction. Engineer technology to grow your business. Our custom solutions are at your service. JMOR should be your direction. The J Moore Connection. Ladies and gentlemen, you're live with John on the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. This is Season 2, Episode 6. And let all of our listeners know that we will be going national uh, this coming Thursday next week, February 9th. We will be live on the Starcom Radio Network. Uh, we have a brand new telephone number that you'll be able to call us in live. And we will have a show early in the morning. So we're talking about technology. We're talking about all the Internet of Things would be uh, having a refrigerator. Now, you wouldn't expect your refrigerator okay, to actually have a connection to the Internet. But they're doing it for a reason. So things like every time you take something out, it could scan and literally track how much food you have left, or you can just have one with an internet screen. Things like that. I mean, now uh, Amazon is even putting out these little devices that are like, I think they're like under five dollars, four ninety nine, and you program them. So they have a little mini computer in them, basically, and you program them. And what happens is, you send, and it literally sends a wireless signal out through your wireless network. And what it's basically doing, sending a certain string out to a certain site, and then based on that code it's sending out, it's actually causing an order to happen. So again, and then they refund you the thing. They also have another thing set up that if you press the button and you haven't, the item has not arrived yet, pressing the button will not do anything. So yeah, I think this is definitely a good way to go. But there's always going to be people out there that do not want the Internet of Things. And I get you. It's not about trying for them to make things easier. A lot of people feel like they're losing control. You know, that's, that's really, I think, what they feel. They feel that they're losing control, and by the Internet of Things, there's some bad things. But... There's even toys out there. We talked about this uh, right around the holiday times. And if you had to build that toy to do all the things it did, it'd be like a $30,000 toy, okay? Um, because, unless they sold a lot of them, because all the intelligence of that toy is actually on the cloud or the internet. And the toy connects. Pretty interesting, right? Look at the bears they have out there. They say, require. Um, a tablet or some computer, and then it basically communicates back and forth with the tablet, but the device the tablet, and then the tablet sends off through the app. So I, I think we're on the right track with these things, technology making our life easier. Look at the talking thermostats I, I, I told you about. Uh, look at the way that you can now uh, – we just have timers. 
make our life easier. So you don't have to change the timer as much, right? Uh, we already have clocks that auto adjust, things like that, but I think just that. They're starting to get to know our preferences, and I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem when that those preferences and they get sent off, and now they start harassing me to buy all this nonsense. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we got to take one more quick break, and then we'll be right back after this. Okay. Are you having challenges with your service crashing? Having issues with large file transfers? Is your system always getting attacked by viruses and spyware? Or are your workstations always slow? Jmore is the solution. Jmore has nearly 20 years of experience helping small businesses to large corporations manage their technology. At Jmore, we specialize in engineering technology to grow your business. Watch out for those promising you support for a low price. When troubles arise, you want the expertise of the Jmore connection behind you to run your business while you get a good night's sleep. Visit us on the web today at jmore.com. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is John the Jamor Tech Talk Show, and we're reviewing smart technology. Um, about smart technology, it means that the technology is either getting to do something a certain way based on preferences you set up, or that it's learned from you based on some activities that it's picked up that you did. This can be in different devices. Uh, this can be in something as simple as uh, washing machines that will send you text. I mean, if you know, but there's some washing machines now that you can upload, like almost like a ringtone. It's not a ringtone. It's more like a, a wash tone. You can upload things like the washing have a problem. It can actually notify you. So what we've seen in the business world for a while, we're starting to see that in the home and the small business. So I think that's what's kind of very unique is technology is starting to learn about us. Now, we all know the Internet grabs information, and that's why whatever you put on the Internet, you have to sometimes the and once the internet learns something, it can go on other sites, and that's a whole other conversation for another night. But I think what we from to this uh, this show is that technology again is very good, but it isn't really bad. It's how the technology is used, and I'm going to give you an example. If we build technology, let's take someone keep them safe. That's an example of good technology, right? But technology is good. It's just the morale definition, okay? The moral definition. Now, bad technology will basically be a technology that protecting people, might exploit people, might grab information, or we have the same information. We just talked about a device that grabs information, but what's it used for? Is it being used to help us with our procedure that, that's legitimate or are we using it unscrupulously? So I think that's really what it comes down to. And now a lot of people, when we think about computers, they're like, I know, I know what you're saying, but at the bottom line, at the end of the day, when you push to do something on the computer, you still did it, Okay. 
And yes, the computer was um, instrumental, but it's not really directly responsible for what happened. You caused it. You wrote the program, right? Silos were there, and they would have these men in the silos, and when they were given the order to launch the missiles, they had to follow some procedures, check the code, see if it matched. If it matched, they had to go break the thing open, and they had to go get their key, then they had to go to Mark, and then they had to go next. And sometimes travel was not there to be able to allow that 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 military man to be able to, man to be able to the whole point. So the Minutemen in the silos um, actually got replaced. And uh, they put computers in to actually make uh, to make um, to make this. So the thing is that when you have these type of uh, people making decisions, um, they sometimes uh, can't feel right about making a decision is is the computer making the right decision. So on August fourth, everything would do. He blew up a piece of his ranch land. And that same land that his grandfather had years later was uh, early morning, hundred yards away, plum of concrete dust spread through the air. But more than 30 years earlier, his father had signed that particular plot over to the U.S. government in perpetuality for national tax. So not realizing what had happened and what was in the land, um, it caused some issues. And the Minutemen, uh, basically, it was, it was hard for them, but outside the missile fields knew much about it. So a few people knew where the silos were and even the people. Uh, they were think about them. The Minutemen were hidden in these plain, plain sight, and they were implanted in out-of-the-way places where they were very uh, them up. So it seemed pretty interesting, but then an unremarkable end to Jensen's Minutemen silo was very appropriate because the fact now the silos are actually being controlled. There are no more Minutemen. So launch codes. So, so there are there are, uh, are there are no, no more um, no more Minutemen for silos. It's all automatic, and um, it's uh, it's it's different. So the the Minutemen. Now, they're saying that there's still a few places around where they have them. The problem still comes in, ladies and gentlemen, we're at war. And that's a serious, very serious and somber problem. So, like uh, a pile of electronics, and it makes a decision that possibly change the way we life on earth could change our resources, could get rid of them. We may have to live forever. So I think it's really important to understand uh, that Minutemen now are being 
they're being phased out. Uh, I would say they're not um, not hundred percent now, but um, they're still being used as of 2016, and they have one of them and it began in the 1950s. So they entered service in 1962, and uh, again, they're slowly, slowly getting rid of them. And uh, they're peaking at 1,000 missiles in 1970. So three missiles in missile silos. Um, that's what had happened. So, but we're starting to see that number come down. And as we start to I can tell you, you know, when, when will there be no – when will there be no more uh, silo – I can't tell you that. Um it's uh, it's hard decision, but our government and our world has not made the decision to get rid of them a hundred percent. So it's important, but things like this are not taken lightly, and um, this is why we have to be careful the decisions that we entrust to a computer. Some things just cannot be replaced by the human. My name is John Morley. Thank you so much for joining me for the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. I've got to go. Please join us on the National And this may be our last broadcast From all on the uh, the Jay Moore Connection. Not sure yet, but we would like to thank you for media. listening tonight and invite you to join us again next Monday at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure to tell your Monday, friends Monday, and associates about the Jay Moore Radio Show. And call in live. Be sure to call us early next time so you can get on air too. The J Moore Connection. We're engineering technology to grow your business. And you can chat with us right now at jmor.com or call us at 800-208-5155. Thanks so much for stopping by and have a great night. Good night, everyone. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Radio Network next week, Starcom Radio Network, 9 p.m. Thursday. Good night, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.